0: And uh, tomatoes come from tomato seeds, and uh, carrots come from carrot seeds, and uh, beans come from bean seeds. Do they call them bean seeds? Three, the rule of three, right? If you have three things in your hand, you have to juggle. Whoa, whoa, I caught it. Everyone, relax. And you also should know this is just fair warning if you're new to Timberwood Church. If you're new to Timberwood Church, this is just fair warning. This is just fair warning. I'm just trying to be, f- yes. You should be aware because there's going to be an apple that's going to be coming out. Oh, nice. That was beautiful. Do you see that catch? That was fabulous. And then over here, I'm going to try to get, oh, wait a second. I'll go way out here because I don't want to hit the That was cool, wasn't it? At any rate, so, um, so yes, so, like, peas come from peas, and squash comes from squash seeds. Look at that. That's just magic. I know you know that I can juggle, and so you also know that I can throw apples. At any rate, but if you want apples, then you have to talk to John Chapman, okay? Born in Leominster, Massachusetts in 1774, just a couple years <laughs> before we signed this little piece of paper expressing some dissatisfaction with King George III, okay, he was born, right? And by the time he was 18 years old, um, the colonies were well, actually the United States. Now, point of fact, okay, um, the United States actually legally became the United States on January 14th, uh, 19, 1784. 1784, okay? What? So the United States became the United States on January 14th, 17... (laughs) See, that's why we work together, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I could jump right to my first point right now and have this thing about the symbiotic relationship that exists at Timberwood Church, but i got to finish the intro, right? Okay, so 1784 is when the United States legally became the United States. Now, you might want to not switch the July 4th holiday. I get that, okay, and you don't have to, but you can think of like July 4th, 1776 as kind of the announcement of an engagement, and the January 14th day was when the marriage actually happened. At any rate, 1784. Did I say it right that time? I'm just so excited about this intro. <laughs> He's headed west, right? And it seems as though the folks in the United States uh, really liked their cider, really liked their hired cider as a point of fact. And what he found as he went around is that he could, uh, the discarded from a cider mill, nice, I love that a lot, he would take the seeds out, right? And then wherever he would go, he would... Oh, that was magic, just like Cool Hand Luke, okay? (laughs) He would plant haphazardly, but often strategically, seeds. If he wanted something to eat besides apples, he could trade apples or apple trees for food, apple trees for clothes. And because of the dress and lack of footwear, okay, It was said, legend-wise, that the soles of his feet were thick enough to walk barefoot in the winter and impenetrable to a rattlesnake bite. He was said to be a funny-looking guy, never married, died at the age of 71 of pneumonia, was known to sleep under the stars barefoot with his little tiny toes up next to a little tiny fire. And while he was known as the Appleseed Man, you probably have already guessed the name history blessed him with. He was a person of faith, and it is Johnny Thank you to WashingtonApple.org for this history lesson. Our text starts today. Verse 6, page 975, chapter 6. Let the one who taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Cleaner shrimp, oxpeckers, plover okay? The junior high boy in me just loves to say the name oxpeckers, okay? So all of these animals have a symbiotic relationship with other animals, okay? Cleaner shrimp, okay, will literally clean the bacteria and goofiness out of a fish's mouth, okay? And normally a shrimp might be a meal for a fish but the fish know that they need to get rid of the bacteria and so the cleaner shrimp go in okay the oxpecker is the little bird that sits on the back of a cape buffalo cape buffalo big huge thing blah, you know and just like totally destroy anything that's in its wake has a symbiotic relationship mutually benefiting the boldest one for me is the plover the crocodile bird The plover will literally stick its little beak inside of a crocodile's mouth and pick out the rotting things of meat and flesh and other so that the, you know, dental hygiene and all of that stuff. By the way, see your dentist. It's very important. (laughs) Verse 6 is a verse that can be or seem a little self-serving. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. It's one of many verses in the Bible, that support the notion of us giving to the work that God is doing, specifically God is doing here. It's how I make a living. But I'm also a participant. I give financially to Timberwood Church. Tanya and I give financially to Timberwood Church. We think it's honoring to God. Now, much is made of this, right? People don't like to talk about money, right? People will say, well, it's my money. Okay, whatever. It's not. It's not your money, but okay, fine, fine, that's fine. If it is your money, wouldn't you wanna invest it in a vehicle that delivers the best possible benefit for eternity? I mean, if it's your money and you're a wise financial person, wouldn't you wanna use your money for the best economic benefit? I don't think it's my money. I think it's God's money. Just like I don't think the world is mine, I think it belongs to God, the logic being if you make something, it's yours, and so I don't think it's my money, I think of it as God's money, and I think giving a portion back to Him. Some people are like, hey, you should give 10%. Sure, great, that's wonderful. But I also like words like generous and giving at a level that forces me to make a choice. And in this, I'm wholly inconsistent, right, okay, okay? I ride a nicer bike than I should ever ride in my life, and I drive a car that's 17 years old. I try to give at a level that forces me to make a choice. Could I have a new car if I didn't give? Probably. Could I have a new car if I didn't have a bike? Well, not totally sure, but probably pretty close. It's a nice bike. But I give it a level that forces me to make a choice, that makes me think. Some people work the I can't out give God angle. And I agree with that. I can never repay God for what God has given me. Talent, treasure, time, the place in which I live. I like that angle. As long as I don't think of God as a slot machine or a pull-tie box. Or I appeal to the words of Jesus about how the reality that, that where your heart is, there your treasure is. All that is to say, there's a symbiotic relationship that is happening in verse 6 with us who benefit from the words of God and us who benefit the activity of the work of God in the world around us. And specifically here text goes on, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that he or she also will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Seeds for death or seeds for life? There are certain things that do not change. If you plant weeds, you'll get weeds. If weeds come up and you've planted weeds, don't think, I wonder who planted tomatoes. No, it it won't happen. Likewise, Jesus said, not here, but Jesus said, if weeds come up with your tomatoes, don't get freaked out, unless, of course, you're the one that planted the weeds, right? Paul argues for sowing seeds for death, or sowing seeds for life. Sowing to our own desire. Sowing what I want versus sowing for the Spirit. Apple seeds, papaya seeds, watermelon seeds produce apples, papayas, and watermelon. Sowing and planting, cultivating fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, I think that's in play here. Or sowing, planting towards the flesh. It's all there in verse chapter 5. I would argue, show me your life. I can see what you've planted. Don't mean to be judgy about it. Don't mean to be condescending about it. Don't mean to put you in a bad spot or make you feel bad about yourself, but I should be able to show you my life. And you should be able to say, ah, I can see what John's planting. I can see what's in John's garden by virtue of what John's life is producing. That's what Paul's saying. It's his words, not my words. Show me your life. I can show you what you've planted. The the proof is in the harvest, right? Now, there is is just a little bit of caution here, right? Because I think... I think when we encounter a family member who chooses to walk a pathway that is not fruitful, it can be tempting to wonder, what did I plant wrongly? Is wrongly a word? 1784. And to be sure, it's possible that we have harmed those that exist around us. To quote the great theologian Steve Winwood, what selfish seeds did I plant along the way? But there are also times, and sober judgment is required for this, right? That another person's choices, even if they're a child or a spouse or a parent, are that person's choices. See verse 5, chapter 6. With that disclaimer said, seeds for death or seeds for life? And if you've planted bad seeds, even if you're 75 years old, stop. Stop planting bad seeds. Repent. Stop planting the bad stuff and get on with the good stuff. There's still time. Life's not done yet. What are we planting? What are we investing into? Something that will die, something that will rust out, something that someone else will inherit from us or something that will live and not just life, eternal life. And the fact that this effort, it's not an overnight thing. It's a long-haul thing. There might be effort that's required. It's It's like when you plant your, like, tomatoes. Like, you don't get tomatoes You know, in May, you get tomatoes in September. You work hard, take care of the tomatoes through the summer, and then you get something at the end. Paul says, this is that just on steroids. I don't know if they took steroids in the first century, but this is that on steroids. Sometimes you plant a long, 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 long time. What are we planting And are we planting for the long haul, for the eternal, for the life that will not end? This summer, I was on a trip to Siena, actually, Ton and I, and uh, I realized about four hours into the journey that I'd forgotten my sunglasses. It was a cloudy day, and I kind of wear aviators most of the time, and, um, and I've, I kind of don't like wearing the aviators because people mistake me for uh, like a 95 year old uh, US politician, and so I just want to like, I'm like, okay, I just, I'm kind of tired of the aviators and, and all that. So I had left them at home, but accidentally, right? First world problem, I know. We wandered into a running store because we needed to find some running shoes, and voila, these frames with an accessible price tag, playful in appearance, and a guarantee to not slip when running or being outside. (laughs) And let's face it, a funny name, Gooder, G-O-O-D-R. Their ad work represents the current zeitgeist of deprecation and sarcasm which is basically summed up with this idea of why would you want to spend $250 on a pair of sunglasses? They say, look good, play gooder. They commit themselves to the four Fs, okay? Fun, fashionable, functional, affordable. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. 100%. Paul says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good, let us do gooder to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's start with the last phrase first. It almost seems like Paul is anticipating friendly fire. And friendly fire isn't friendly fire at all. Friendly fire is absolutely devastating. If you've ever read an account of Friendly Fire, you know that Friendly Fire is one of your own guys dying on the field of battle because one of your guys shot one of your guys accidentally. Paul is almost anticipating an intentional Friendly Fire casualty. And we've seen this, right? people who are followers of Christ can be so absolutely devastating to other people who are followers of Christ. Paul says, look good, play gooder, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The good that I can do the good that you can do. It really invites a a thoughtful question, right? How have I used my life? And if you're like me, you're probably like, okay, there's some good parts, and there's some not-so-good parts. There's some sewing that's been pretty... Pretty honorable. I would say, I, I, yes, I'm proud of this. And then there's some other parts where I'm like, damn, yeah, not quite so much. Then it invites the future question, right? What do I do with the time that I have left? 55. What do you think I'm going to get to? Anyone? Guesses? I think I get 75. My dad died at 75. My mom died at 79. I should be able to do better than that, right? Want well, will outlive your parents? Mid 80s? Mid 90s? How have I used my life? What will I do with the time that I have left? And I'm going to turn the questions around to you. How have you used your life? Not trying to be judgy, not trying to make you feel bad about yourself. Just sober judgment. How have you used your life? What what have you planted? And what things have you invested? What things have been important to you? Is there some good stories? Wonderful. Is there some tough stories? Don't be afraid of that. The bigger question always with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is always about redemption. It's always about moving forward in faith. It's always about treating the past with with things like forgiveness and redemption and restoration and and, and repentance and then moving forward into the future. The, The kingdom of God doesn't understand the concept of my best day was five years ago. Because for the kingdom of God, the best day is still yet ahead. Still yet future. If this is the best day of my life, fine, okay, that's a category. But, but the best days of my life are still ahead. You believe that, right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the best days are yet future. Isn't that an amazing thing? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the best days of your life are yet to come. To me, that is just absolutely amazing. That is so cool. So what, with the time that we have left, what will we do? What will you do with the time that you have left? Last Sunday, a friend of mine um, dumped like hundreds of pounds of tomatoes in my car. maybe not hundreds of pounds. We, we had BLTs three times this week. Um, we had hamburgers one night where we just skipped the bun and laid down a thick slice of tomato, put a piece of hamburger on top of that, put another piece of tomato on top, salted it. It was amazing. Another night, we grilled some steaks, right? And like, you know, yeah, we eat pretty good at my house, okay? So that's fine, no problem. And then, you know, A caprese salad. All these things with tomatoes, right? He sent me a text yesterday. Are you out of tomatoes yet? Because I got more. I I know what my friend planted. I know what my friend planted. There's no doubt. He planted tomatoes. Because I got a lot of Tomatoes. And I'm sure that represents just a small, small fraction of the tomatoes that he has. It's what Paul's asking us to think about. Our friend Rich Mullen said, Did we sow the seeds we're reaping now that the harvest calls us here? Your life matters. It matters to God more than you can possibly imagine. And the voice box of God, in this case, Paul, invites us to sow good seed. Please pray with me. Couple questions for you. What do you do with the resources that God's entrusted to your care? Have a nice bike? I do. Do you invest into His kingdom? I do. What seeds are you sowing? What will you do with the time that you have left? Father, it's a powerful thing to be challenged by your word. Often we find ourselves in this posture, responding to something that you've said, responding to your character, responding to your activity, responding to your love and your grace and your mercy for us. Enable our hearts to see clearly the things that you would have us see. We're grateful for this time. Our hearts are before you. Our lives are yours. In Jesus' name, amen.